0: the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Kingdom Coach Kurt Bradford. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. You guys are in a series called Transformational Church, and what I want to talk to you today about is, is that very idea. So if you've got your Bible, open it up to a very familiar, hopefully, passage in Acts chapter 1. We're going to just read one verse there. And then a little bit later, I want to refer to two other verses that are in the book of Isaiah. But they're also in your outline. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the verse is on the screen. Would you read this with me? And read it as, with your full voice. Don't give that little girl a voice. Well, read it, you know. You ready? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth this is the word of the Lord would you pray with me now and at the end of the prayer I want you to pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray pray with me are you ready father we come before you this morning God we come to you in Jesus name we're under no illusions we can't come anywhere near your presence unless we know Jesus. And we do. So for those of us today that know Jesus, we're coming into your presence with our prayers. God, please today during this this time of teaching, as as you have done during the time of singing, show us whether we're saved or not. Show us, Lord, whether we're growing in Christ's likeness or not. Show us, Lord, if there's any sin in us that needs to be dealt with. Show us, Lord, please, whether, we, whether we're actually witnesses or not. You said you will be my witnesses. Show us whether we are or not. Show us whether we're a witnessing people or not. Show us, show us individually and corporately what we need to do to live as a witness. And I ask you now, God, please forgive us for the times when we have not taken advantage of an opportunity that we had to speak a word about our Savior Jesus. Forgive us for the times when we could have spoken a word that would have pointed people to you and for some reason we were silent. Forgive us for the times when we have spoken words about Jesus, but they were harsh and they were condemning and angry. Forgive us when we've tried to just present some sort of a formulaic presentation rather than to say, this is what Christ has done for me. God, help us to trust in your power, please. I pray that the people you have brought into this room at this time for your purposes, I pray that your purposes will be accomplished in these who are gathered here today. And now let us pray that our Lord Jesus' prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and God's people said amen amen this is uh, the the text is actually the day that Jesus returned to heaven God the Son became Jesus of Nazareth Jesus of Nazareth lived a perfect sinless holy life he was sacrificed on a cross in our place he died taking our sins on himself he was buried three days later he was resurrected from the dead and during the period between his resurrection and his return to heaven He spent 40 days in verse 3 in this chapter says he was speaking with the disciples about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule of God. Now make no mistake, God rules the universe. But not everybody is subject to his rule. Not everybody says you are Lord. Many people wander on their own. But for those of us who have confessed Jesus is Lord, as Jimmy just did, what that means is he is the ultimate authority in my life. He is not only my Savior who will take me to heaven when I die. He is my teacher. He is the authority. He is the guide. And I'm in the process of learning how to live as Jesus would live if he were me. And that's what Jesus is teaching them about. Well, they're con- kind of confused. they think that somehow Jesus is going to set up a, an earthly throne, you know, and put little thrones beside of it. And they said, are you going to make Israel, you know, the capital of the world or restoring everything to Israel? And he says, no. He says, you, you got, that's not for you to know. None of that stuff. He says, here's what it is for you to know. You, and it's plural, by the way. So in, in Greek, it would be you all. You, as Southern Greece. Fatback is Southern Greece, isn't it? Yeah, ooh, there goes a the bird. Um, and so that's why Moses wrote the Ten Commandments. No, and, and so he's yeah, I know. That's why you don't have seventy-year-old people preach a lot. You know, Jesus said, "You all," and He's talking to all of us. He says, "You shall be." my witnesses and what he's saying there is is a um, it's a basic truth about anybody who's a disciple of Jesus if you are a born again disciple of Jesus Jesus has said you are his witness not you might be could be should be ought to be or none of that he's just saying you already are and you're thinking well I'm the worst witness he has you're still his witness you just don't get an award You're His witness whether you're a really good witness or a lousy witness. You're still His witness. And that's a reality and a truth. And God is saying through His Son Jesus Christ that you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to have the power which is in in this uh, instance is the Greek word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from it. What it literally means is the ability. It's not talking about you're going to be an explosion all over the world. What it's talking about is you will have the ability you will have the competence you will have the courage you'll have you'll everything in you to to witness comes from the power of the holy spirit who lives in you you can do nothing on your own only the holy spirit does it but if you're born again and saved the holy spirit lives in you the bible says if the holy spirit doesn't live in you you're none of his So any of you here today that have never professed Christ as savior, somehow you're still thinking you're going to save yourself or something like that or trust something else. I'd be glad to talk to you after the service about how you can know for sure. Whether you know Jesus, whether you're trusting Jesus. I, tell, I thought about it at the funeral the other day for Mr. Clarence there, uh, Mary. I was thinking about that one of the things that I think we do. Clarence told me he, he loved this part of when I do a funeral. The part where like, somebody asked me, why should I let you into my heaven? I tell him I'd grab the robe of Jesus and say, I'm with him. I, you never point to your own works for your relationship with God. You don't. You point to Jesus. We are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's, that's how we are saved. And Jesus says in his past, if you've been saved in that way, then you are a witness. It's not that you really are going to try to work up to some point where you're really so good you get to be a witness. You're one now. You're one now. Christ says we're going to be witnesses. Well, the thought occurred to me. Why do we have to preach sermons like this? Why do preachers have to preach this message? I mean seriously why does why do preach? I mean uh, I know Red was telling me, Red that's my wife for folks that don't know. Red told me this morning she writes in her Bible uh, whenever somebody preaches she writes the date and who the preacher was on that particular text and she she found in there that uh, I had preached on it four times Joe did an entire series back in 2016, I think there were like four verses, four sessions on Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and so I asked the question, why? Why do we need to preach so much on this particular text? And I came to the conclusion, Kurt's opinion, the reason we have to do that is because we don't really believe we are witnesses and in our list of priorities the things we need to do it's like number 12 or maybe number 14 out of a list you know it's got we go to church get a job you know buy Joe some candy all the kinda and down here witness tell somebody else about Jesus down here and I thought about that and I said yeah boy what's the matter with that church And I'm talking about the capital C church there, not, not y'all. Of course, there's obviously nothing wrong with y'all. <laughs> preached it four times. <laughs> Joe's preached it too. So I, I got some insight into this a couple of weeks ago. I did a uh, revival. Now, Any of y'all remember what a revival is? Remember that? You know? We, uh, we haven't done one here because we've been in a state of revival for many, many years now. And so uh, I was actually needing some southern gospel music. And so, uh, uh, so I preached a revival in a little town called Sycamore. Any of you ever heard of Sycamore? Nobody. How about Fairfax? Oh, got a Fairfax over here. Anybody else heard of Fairfax? No, there are two. two three. All right, three people. Uh, how about this? Have you ever heard of Barnwell? Barnwell, South Carolina. Have any of you ever heard of Columbia? Well I, I, well, I had to get some hands up in the air, you know. When I call on my preacher, butter, I could say, man, they always raising their hand. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I preached a revival in this little town called Sycamore in a little small church that had about 50 people in it. And the closest place to stay was 22 miles away in a town called Barnwell. And the, ho- the only hotel there where I could stay was a hotel that all the doors open outside. You know, my wife, Joyce, she won't stay at a hotel where the doors open outside. They've, they've got a you've got to have a hallway where you can get in that way. I mean, which I, it still doesn't make sense to me. Do you think criminals don't know about hallways? I mean... <laughs> You know, I can see criminals coming up saying, let's rob this one. Oh no, they have a hallway. You know? <laughs> so, so anyway, I stayed, I stayed there and I, we checked in that afternoon. And uh, when we checked in, the fellow that was, that was the host at the hotel, the, the owner actually, um, was from India. And I met him, and I got to know him, and I, I, I didn't get his name right, but, it, but he told me to call him Sonny. He said that would be, most people there call him Sonny. I said, okay, Sonny. So he gave me my little key. You know, it's not a key, it's a card. You know, you stick in, you know. So he gave me my key, so I'm going around, and I'm going to wherever my room is, and I'm passing by. And I passed by three guys, three Middle Eastern guys that are barbecuing something I'm not sure what they were barbecuing an animal of some sort and, and I walked past them you know and of course I'm from the upstate South Carolina I'm from Union and I said hey you know, you know so, sound like Domer Pyle you know, you know hey how y'all doing you know that sort of a thing But but anyway you know they just stared at me you know, that, that kind of thing. I said, well, okay, that's all right. So I went on over to my room. I stuck a little key in the door and turned the handle. It wouldn't open. I, it kept, I kept pulling everything. So I, seriously, I mean, you know, I'm really not as dumb as I look. Well, maybe I am. But I, I look back at the Middle Eastern guy and I say, did y'all's door do this too? You know, and they're looking. And they, well, you know, what? here's what they did. They just pointed to the office. They just pointed to the office. I said, yeah, I I got the... About that time, the door opened on the room. That I was trying to get into and this giant man somewhere between 8 and 40 feet tall opened the door and said uh, can I help you like, no man I, I think that and I'm trying to explain I'm supposed to get in this room and he's got the same room and he's in out there I'll you, well okay and I said well i tell you what I'm going to the office man I'm gonna go and he said I go with you okay and so he he goes with me we walk into the office and here's the owner of the place behind the window there's a person talking to him and then there's another another guy standing right here uh, waiting in line to talk to the owner and I, and of course once again I, I, I'll talk to a wall it doesn't matter just whoever you know so I said hey how you doing <laughs> he said I'm very well thank you how you doing and I said wow where are you from he said Germany oh really what are you doing here in, in America he said well I'm working here same as my Nigerian brothers we're working here I said oh wonderful wonderful so we got it all straightened out went in there and I finally get my key I go back and move into another room change there go preach at the church that night and I come back to the, to the room that night and for some reason they're trying to save money on the lights so there's no lights outside you know so uh, you know that's when I got my phone out you know thank Jesus for that flashlight on that phone right there and I'm, I'm shining, shining my light trying to find my room you know and I'm looking around me everywhere I go <laughs> There's somebody, you know, and finally I got inside of my room and I'm over there, seriously, I'm counting how many locks on my door I have. I'm looking at the line and I'm making sure and then I go over there and I make sure that curtain's all the way closed. And then I'm sitting in my chair, I'm a 70 year old man. And I'm sitting in a chair like this saying, man, I hope I make it through the night. And it occurs to me that what I'm thinking is there's nobody here like me. There isn't anybody here like me. I mean I've encountered people from four different cultures. The Holy Spirit then did a number on me. Oh hey Sandy. I love you too. See, you can text the preacher. I'll give you Joe's number if you want it. Uh, the Holy Spirit did a number on me and uh, just convicted the dickens out of me. Because what, here's what I heard the Holy Spirit say. You never once thought about sharing Jesus with those guys. Preacher. All you were concerned about was your own personal safety. And, and I wasn't in danger. I got to know some of the guys. <laughs> I wasn't in danger at all. It just, it just that I was in a situation where I, I actually was afraid. But I never thought about sharing Jesus. I never thought about saying, Where are you from? Uh, do you follow a religion? Uh, would you like to have a cup of coffee?" And the Lord showed me, He's he shown me something there really that answered the question I suppose. Why is it that we preachers have to preach on witnessing? Why, why is it that we have to talk about it? Why is it that we have to bring messages hoping that you'll that you will leave here and tell someone else about Jesus? Why is that? And I came to a conclusion it's not scripture, it's, it's my opinion. There are some things in my life I do because I have to. And then there's some things in my life I do because I ought to. They're the right things to do. And then there's some things in my life I do because I need to. I would be worse off if I didn't. There's a lot of things that I do because I have to, ought to, or need to. Like flossing my teeth or taking a bath or a shower. Taking a bath in years. Some of those things, perhaps I think we look at witnessing as something that is in the category of have to, ought to, need to. For example, I have to go to witness. I have to go. It's Tuesday night. I'm a member of the church and the church goes knocking on doors. I have to go. I'm the preacher. I've got to (laughs) go. Or, you know, I really know I ought to go to church I ought to go tell somebody about Jesus I know that that's what that's the right thing to do go tell people about Jesus or I'm gonna go tell people about Jesus because if I don't I feel bad and I'll feel guilty and, and, and I won't go to the messages where they are gonna talk about witnessing so I have to ought to need to But those other two things, there are other two other levels of motivator for me of why I do what I do. That is because I want to. Or even beyond that, because I love to. For example, I I get up early in the morning and make some coffee and go to the scriptures. Not because I have to, I ought to, or or I need to, but because I want to. I actually, I can't imagine living without starting the day that way. I, I love to you know and there are other things. So what I'm thinking is maybe we've communicated the wrong motive for witness. Maybe there's a higher motive for sharing your faith than have to, ought to, need to. And that's where the Isaiah passage came in. And I, and I was studying this while I was there at this uh, at the hotel. In Isaiah 43 Isaiah is speaking to the nation of Israel. God's people. And what he says to them is, you are my witnesses. Does that sound familiar? Just read that in Acts 1.8, didn't you? Same God, God the Son, same God. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. God says to Israel, I am God. There is no other God. I am Jehovah God, the God who has revealed himself to Israel. And in our case, the God who has revealed himself in Jesus that that's the only God. Not one of many gods, but the God. That's the Christian faith. Isaiah is saying this to the people of Israel. But now jump back up to verse 4. It says, this is still the Lord speaking. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you, I give men in return for you peoples in exchange for your life. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute. What people is he talking about that he gave? And and what he's talking about there is that for the nation of Israel, God chose the nation of Israel to be his people. And then he uh, took them into what was called the, the promised land and he drove out the people using them he he gave them the 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 land and defeated their enemies and people he gave people for them because they're his chosen people but now if you want to apply that to the Christian church is God is saying I gave my son for you I gave my son Jesus for you I am the Lord God and I have given my son for you. But notice that those little phrases in there that go, You are precious in my eyes, you are honored, and I love you. When I read through that, see, in, in applying this to text, which I believe is appropriate in this context, to apply this also to the church. So I, th- I think it is appropriate to say that God says to you, Christian, you are precious to Him, you're like a treasure to Him. And you have been a treasure to him ever since the day he created you in your mother's womb. You are a precious treasure to God. And just to be sure that you understand, God says, I love you. And that's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. That's the uh, shalom type love or agape type love that is sacrificial and it looks to your well-being. God says, I love you. But I got stuck on that middle phrase there. Because you are precious in my eyes. It's like it reads grammatically. Because you are honored. And I said well wait a minute. What does that honored mean? Is that talking about God? We should honor God? So I kind of checked out the tenses and everything. It's in Hebrew. Checking that out. And it's really. You know who he's talking about is honored? His people. You. God says I honor you. Well I had to reflect on that for quite a while. Think about it for a long long time and it it occurred to me. We have been chosen and honored to be his witnesses. It is an honor to represent the Lord Jesus. Paul says in 2nd Corinthians, we are ambassadors for Christ. Can you imagine when Nikki Haley was asked to be our ambassador to the United Nations? Could you imagine her saying, oh, I don't want that stinking job. Do You think she was honored? You think she was, you know, she felt great about it. See, what what Jesus is saying, I think, through both of these passages is that for you to be a witness of Jesus Christ to other people is not a duty. It's not a chore. It's an honor it's an honor you represent the Lord Jesus and just so you'll know there are no other people or institution or organization on planet earth that has been called and sent to represent the Lord Jesus to the rest of the world except his church and that's the capital C church that transcends denominational lives lines it is all based on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ you are his witness it's a whole different motivation for sharing your faith other than the fact that you know I have to I don't want to feel bad it all that kind of stuff so now thinking about that what what can we do in order to remember this because this is this is why we preachers have to bring it up every now and then because we forget it that we are his witnesses that we represent him and that it is an honor To represent Jesus. Let me give you a couple of things that will help you remember. To remember these things. Remember these things. Number one. Prayer precedes witness. Prayer precedes witness. Now what that basically means. just Listen. The Bible tells us no one can come to Christ unless the Holy Spirit draws him. So that means that before, before you're going to be a witness who is effective, you're going to need to pray long and hard about being a witness and about the people for whom you are praying for. The people to whom you will witness. One of the things I've discovered, you know, I'm doing this ministry now where I I work with pastors and churches and different things, you know, different contexts and uh, different areas. And one of the things I've discovered, I mean, in in conversations and everything. One of the things I've discovered is that the average church, and I'm primarily working mostly with Baptist churches, although I am working with several Pentecostal churches and several others. But one of the things I've discovered is that... We, we seem to, and this is general, and there are exceptions I know, but I think we pray more for the sick than we do for the lost. I, I think we pray more for personal needs than we do for people to come to faith in Christ. You know, and, and by the way, just those of you that were not here when I was pastor, uh, the people that are here, they'll tell you when I was pastor, the Lord preached these sermons to me long before you got them. So it, he said to me, listen, you know, just like that instance at the hotel, you know, it never occurred to me to be, to be a witness or, or even pray about them. But we need, we've got to be people who pray for those who are lost uh, this morning I've got an app on my phone that I pray for what's called unreached people groups. These are people that don't know Christ and, and there's less than 1, one to 2% of Christians in that people group. I prayed for a group called the JAT, J-A-T, in uh, Pakistan. That they're, they're, it's a Muslim country. And they're somewhere in the neighborhood of, I think it's 20 or 21 million people that are of that culture. And somewhere in the neighborhood of less than 100 Christians. So I prayed for them. Now some of you might say, well well, well that's nice. Pat, you don't have bless your heart. That's really nice. Listen, I believe if the Jat are ever going to come to Christ, there needs to be some bald preacher in Charleston praying for the Jat in Kak- Pakistan. And if you have members of your family that you want to lead to Christ, you've got to go to God before you go to them. You've got to make sure you've prayed for them because prayer precedes all of these other things that we're talking about here witness the second thing you need to remember is that we witness by living the Jesus way that is one of the ways we witness you you show what you believe by the way you live we say what we think but we live what we believe people people see the way you live and that tells them what you believe so if if you're like a if you're a very selfish person if you're always thinking of yourself uh, if, if you're not very generous, if you're not very forgiving, and you want to witness to that person about Jesus, you might as well hang it up. You are not going get anywhere because your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks more than your talk talks. People see your walk and that speaks louder than all the words that you're saying. The life you live is what will bring people to Christ. Now, I, I came to faith in Christ because of the life of my wife. Those of you that know Joyce, uh, I call her Red, but those of you that know Red, uh, her life, and it wasn't because she was some Bible thumper beating me over the hell, I mean over the hell, over the head. (laughs) That's only two times in how many years now? Oh, there have been others, had not Yeah, Beating me over the head, talking about hell. I mean, she didn't do it that way. The way she did it was, I saw in her the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I saw that in her. And then the witness to Christ was much more profound because I saw it in her life. But then I've got some friends that they had a grandson that came to live with them that had not been in church or any kind of religious persuasion. And that grandson lived with them and within a year that grandson made a profession of faith and was baptized right there. And the primary testimony was the life of the the people that he was living with. His grandparents. You see, your life speaks volumes. Your life is a witness. And by living the Jesus way, it makes a difference. I, was, I looked it up this morning. and I found a song. This, this will blow some of you away. I mean, old people, you won't understand it at all. But um, <laughs> you notice I call them old people. <laughs> you guys. This song was first recorded by a fellow old guy named Frank Sinatra. Yeah, he's an old guy. I mean, he's a a dead old guy right now, but he's an old guy. Um, But then it was recorded a little bit later by a group called the Sex Pistols. Sid Vicious and Sex Pistols recorded it. And it was most recently recorded by Jay-Z. It's a song that the title is My Way. I did it my way. You know, I, I knew. And, and part of this part of the song is, I have no regrets because I did it my way. I did it my. It's, it's a very proud. I did it my way. And there's this one line. Uh, uh, this last. It's the last verse. What is man? What has he got? If not himself, he has not To say the things that he truly feels and not just repeat the words of one who kneels. I'm not going to be one of those who kneels the record shows I took the blows and did it my way I can see a person who lives that way standing before the Lord Jesus when he comes to judge all and he says the record shows and Jesus says yeah I got it right here I've got it right here you have never kneeled to me so some of us live in a way that is based on our worldview or what we think happens uh, along those lines, but w- the way that we live is a primary witness to what we, we believe. You know, what's that line from that old poem? Just when life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Your life speaks, you know, praying before them, but you witness also by sharing, by serving other people. All of your acts of serving are acts of witness. When these folks go down there to Florida, they're, gonna, they're witnessing. They will. They're witnessing to the goodness of God. They're witnessing to the love of God, to the grace of God, to helping people you don't even know. They're serving. And they're not going to serve the people in Florida in order to get something out of it. In other words they're not serving saying, now look we're going to serve you now if we have a disaster you come to help us okay? It's not that kind of, it's not a reciprocal thing. They serve because that's what we are. We are servants. We serve. That's what we do and when we serve God uses that and blesses people there's all kind of places here third Sunday low country care you name it all of the places where we serve every one of these we serve so you can you can actually witness by your prayers by the way you live and by your serving but this fourth thing if you don't do the fourth thing you may miss it all together here's number four we witness by telling others about Jesus. We do not witness uh, about our church. Now don't hear me, don't hear what I didn't say there. You certainly can invite people to your church but our when we tell people about what God has done we're telling him about what Jesus has done in our lives that's that's your testimony here's what God has done in my here's what God did in Jesus and I and I have trusted that and I base my life on that completely and I it, the, right now Jesus is the boss of my life and that's how I'm living my life it's not holding them down until they confess Jesus we did a, a thing several years ago, I, don't, I, I tried to find out what it was but several years ago we did a thing called Convoy of Hope. And we gave some, gave some food and clothing and everything, it was downtown. And we helped, I mean, several thousand people got food or, or clothing or something along those lines, it was really cool. But one of the things we did that I just I, I just totally disagreed with it but I wasn't in charge so nobody asked me whether I liked it or not. But they had, to, they had this tent that you had to go sit in before you got the food or the clothes and in that tent they had a preacher who was doing a gospel presentation and and you had to listen to the gospel presentation to get the food that was a condition no listen no food no listen no clothes what we found was that after the event was over a lot of those people that prayed the sinners prayer you know they prayed the prayer they heard the preacher they prayed the prayer what we discovered was that almost all of them almost not all but almost all of them did not connect with the local church did not continue to follow Jesus and now they, they would go from place to place getting saved so they could get the food You see, you cannot force somebody to trust Jesus. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict someone. And then what you do is you work with the Holy Spirit to share your testimony and to share the gospel. And you speak the truth, but you speak it gently in love. And you see people saved. But listen now, I am all for everything this church does that we call the out. Where you're serving, low country cares, third Sunday, going on missions, everything that we do. I'm for every single bit of that. But listen, if you don't tell them about Jesus, what you've done is a good deed, period. And the whole world does good deeds. Atheists do good deeds. Lost people do good deeds. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We are witnesses of the resurrection, witnesses of the power of Jesus. We are his witnesses sent to tell people not about our church, not about ourselves, but about the Lord Jesus. We are witnesses. And that's what God is calling you to be today. A witness. A witness. Um I was so thrilled when I heard about Joe doing that circle of accountability where you know we're accepting you know we're gonna what we're gonna do we're gonna be responsible and we're because I'm a part of this church we are we're gonna be responsible to see that everybody within a certain radius of this place will have the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel we're gonna do that that's what we're gonna do I was just thrilled with that but that didn't lessen the challenge God gave to me to say listen you need to share your faith more you need to watch for opportunities to tell people about Jesus and my response, yes sir because I trust him um, last week or two weeks ago, I, I can't remember where I preached when but um, I, I, it was after I did the revival I was studying a book, I'm taking some courses, I'm, you know I'm not as educated as I want to be so I'm taking some courses and I read this one story uh, this if any of you are interested in reaching Millennials for Christ this is a fantastic book it's called Evangelism in a Skeptical World Evangelism in a Skeptical World, anyway I was reading it and in there there's a story about a guy named Bak Singh his last name is S-I-N-G-H B-A-K-H-T Bak Singh and I thought it was powerful Bok Singh came to America in 1929 Uh, Well, he came to Canada actually to go to school to learn agricultural engineering to take it back to India so that he could help the farmers there. So in 1929, those of you familiar with history, you know that was when the Great Depression and all of that, banks failed, I mean it's terrible. Well anyway, so Bak Singh lost uh, whatever income he had and his family in India lost everything that they had so Bak Singh was homeless. So he went to live in a YMCA there in Winnipeg, Ontario. He's living there uh, and living there means just you had a bed in a giant room big room had a bed. Well there was this one guy that would come to the YMCA, didn't live there but there was this one guy who would come periodically that was always happy he was always, I mean, he whistled, he was happy all the time and boxing is going, you know, don't you know there's a depression going on, I mean, all that. So he went to him and he said, you always seem happy. What is the source of your happiness? And the man whose name was Owen Hansen, Owen Hansen said, Christ in the heart. Christ in the heart. And Owen Singh said, well, tell me more. And so Owen Hansen said, well, I've got a New Testament and gave him a New Testament. Owen, Owen Singh took the New Testament home and he consumed it. I mean he read everything in that New Testament and whenever he could get together with Owen Hansen to talk about it, he'd talk about it. And one day Owen said, well I want to introduce you to a friend of mine named John Hayward. So he met John Hayward. John Hayward was a banker. But he was a banker in one of the banks that was failing. So he, I mean it was a terrible time for him as well. But John Hayward met boxing and Owen and, and he knew that boxing didn't have anywhere to stay so he said well we have an extra room in our home how about if you come and live with us until you finish school and boxing of course said oh, sure wonderful Now, going to live with John Hayward's family meant that he participated in whatever the family did. So if it was supper time, it'd be supper time. And Hayward's wife even learned how to cook some Indian dishes so that he would feel more at home. That also meant that he would sit in on their devotional times. They had daily devotionals where they'd read the Bible and pray. And they would invite him to church. He didn't make him go but they would invite him to church and he said well I'm curious I'll go. So he began going. Two years later, two years later Bok Singh prayed to receive Christ as Savior and was baptized in that church. About this time a little bit after that he finished his studies and returned to India. When he got to India his family disowned him. They were devoutly Hindu and they said that you know you were not you will not even come you're not basically they said our son is dead because you have become a follower of Jesus so they said you can stay here if you'll quit talking about Jesus and there's a great quote boxing said would you also ask me to quit breathing so he left and he found a place to live and then he led the person there to Jesus then he led a couple more people to Jesus, and then that person led a couple more people to Jesus, and a couple more led people to Jesus. And it was this major movement that became thousands of people. Bok Singh died in the year 2000. At his funeral, 700,000 people came to the funeral who had been led to faith because of this man coming back and telling one other person about Jesus. It occurred to me remember the hotel guy, Sonny? He's from India. So I said, well Sonny (laughs) this is Pastor Kurt. Remember I stayed there with you? Oh yeah, Pastor Kurt, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great, doing great. I just wondered, um, Sonny, have you ever heard of boxing? Sonny laughed <laughs> oh, Pastor Kirk he said I'm a part of the church he started I'm the third generation of Christians in India because of boxing do I know him never met him but I love him where do y'all go to church Sonny? First Baptist, Barnwell. But when I go back to India, I go to my church because Christ is alive there. Who was Owen Hansen? Who was John Hayward? <laughs> That's you. <laughs> That's you. Nobody knows who Owen Hanson or John Hayward is, unless they read this book I read. But you are the person that Christ has saved, who has given you an eternal destiny in heaven. You have never met a mere mortal. Every person you've ever met is an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. And God has placed you in that person's life for the purpose of being a witness to Jesus. Well, I'm going to stop there. I want to do something that uh, is not very River Bluffian. Well, it's beca- and I'm the one that created the, the way some of those. I'll take the blame for it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pray a prayer, and I want you I want you to bow your heads and pray with me. But I'm gonna say a phrase. If that if that is your prayer, I want you to say me too. Now, not not out loud. You know, very soft, me too. Now, don't say because you you know yeah I better say me too. Somebody'll notice. I did. nobody's gonna be noticing besides it's none of their business anyway but I'm gonna pray four phrases and they are um, they are commitment phrases I want you to know that by that you're not making a commitment to Kurt (laughs) that these are commitments to Jesus so would you pray with me Close, close your eyes please and bow your heads Here's the, the first phrase Lord, change my thinking about witnessing so that I consider it an honor to represent you. Second prayer Lord, open my eyes to see people the way that you do. Third prayer. Lord, give me courage to talk about Jesus to other people. And the last. Lord, please use our church to reach this community, this nation, and this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, with your eyes still closed, please, please don't look around. But if you prayed any one of those prayers or all of those prayers... Would you stand so I can pray for you? Oh God, our God, before you stands people who have seriously considered the commitments that they made. For many of us, Lord, we know this means we've got to learn how to do some stuff. We've got to repent of always thinking about ourselves. We've got to learn how to share our faith in in gentle and loving ways. God, I pray for every person who is standing now that you would move in them to carry out whatever they've committed to do in the last few minutes. And I pray, Father, that one day in glory, one day in heaven, one day we will be able to look back at this day and help other people to look back as well. But we'll look back and say, here's somebody that came to Christ because I stood up one day in a church in Charleston. Here is somebody that is in heaven because I stood up one day in a church. And decided I was going to tell them about Jesus. Or I was going to pray for the lost. Oh God, take the commitments of every person standing. And use them for your kingdom purposes. Would you please go ahead and sit down now, please. Father, I pray now that really, Lord, I'm asking you, make this church into a place... Where we're not satisfied until we see people being brought into the kingdom. When guys like, like Dave and guys like Guy and Joe and Terry. Where they get to baptize people. Because people have come to faith in Jesus. May we measure our lives by the number of people that we have loved, served, demonstrated the faith and then led to Christ. May this be moved up in our priority list from wherever it is towards the top. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.